This episode is brought to you by Mad Call Festival. Probably Madrid's biggest and best festival, Mad Call is returning once again this summer and it's going to be one to remember. Not only will there be massive names like Dua Lipa, Janelle Monet, Bring Me the Horizon and The Killers playing, because who doesn't love a bit of Mr Brightside after a day of pints in the sun? There'll also be tons of new buzzy acts like Nia Archives, Crawlers, Kneecap and Picture Parlour scattered across the bill too. Obviously, with it being in Madrid, there'll be plenty of ace Spanish artists to check out across the weekend. Plus, heading to a festival like this is the perfect chance to get a good dose of sunshine and culture, all while getting to watch some of your favourite bands and necking a cheeky sangria or two. This year's Mad Cool Festival takes place from the 10th to the 13th of July in Madrid, and tickets can be purchased now over at their website, madcoolfestival.es. Hello and welcome to the second episode of Before They Knew Better, the new podcast from DIY Magazine. I'm Lisa Wright. This is my lovely co-host Giles Bidder. Hello. Hello. Um, so today we've got a cracker of an episode, I think. Yeah. We've got Mercury nominated wonderful singer songwriter and just general good egg as we found out olivia dean we have asked olivia as we will be asking all of our guests to bring in one song one photo and one object that represents an important moment in her teenage years or her youth Mm -hmm. she went young actually really young yeah 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 we got a good spectrum of time from baby olivia through to now i'm gonna say cub age olivia and that can be a little teaser for what's coming because boyo it is cute she was wonderful and she's got a new single that's just come out yes. ladies room which follows on from the excellent Merc- Mer- mercury nominated excellence which i think is sort of uh the highest accolade in album world really mm-hmm, mm-hmm. get it's mercury funny nominated, done it right if you've been mercury nominated you do go around saying that Mer- prefix yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like do. um rightly yeah. so they should have on the forms it's like mr mrs dr <laughs> mercury nominated that's that's, that's the new so prefix that they can have um so she can tick that box on all future forms she's done that um and now she can tick the box of having been on this podcast which is definitely going to be <laughs> yeah. on forms in the future huge you know? accolades huge big time big time <laughs> i tell you what i love the videos that she's done around messy yes and she did a session with leon bridges she did yeah i mean two ledgers in one sesh well yeah she's got that classic kind of swoon kind of almost ballroom thing going on Mm. whilst being she switched on isn't she yeah yeah she was great she yeah she's got uh timeless i'm gonna say a timeless quality she's got a good feeling doesn't she yeah she's pushing it forward exactly and we had many nice feelings speaking Mm -hmm. to olivia dean who is our guest on this episode of before they knew better with diy magazine and olivia dean i've just moved into my first sort of flat by myself i would say i made like 80 percent like really good progress of making it look quite chic but then there's just a a problem (laughs) corner that won't go down and like every evening i sort of take things out of it sort of shuffle them around but really i'm just moving around the same things so yeah hey this is the podcast about being a teenager and working things out when you're a teenager did you ever think about what your first flat would look like what your first house would look like 
Oh, I, it's something that I really wanted to do for a long time. Like I know living alone is not for everybody, but it was something for me that I really fantasized about. I love my own space. I love solitude. Yeah. I love just doing whatever I want, whenever I want to do it and eating really random meals. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think this is something that I really wanted from when I was probably like 15, 16 year old me was like, yeah, that'd be nice. So I'm pretty chuffed. When you say random meals, like how random are we talking there? Well, just like, you know, you haven't got anything in the fridge, so you just have just plain pasta with butter. I'm, but now I'm alone. Nobody can judge me. No judgment. <laughs> <laughs> now you said it. Yeah. Now, well, now I've yeah, proclaimed it. You're actually the second person that's uh, tried to tell me that pasta with just plain butter is a, is a legitimate meal in about the last two weeks. So maybe, maybe it's on trend, you know? Perhaps, yeah. I don't know. I tell you what's a good fancy snack before bed. Always before, always before bed. Cheddar and apple. Ooh. There's something about those together that make you feel it's luxurious. It's decadent. I could get into that. I could get into that, but I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't have a lot of fruit. I'm not really like a fruit and veg person. Even though I've said I've done yoga this morning and I'm drinking rhubosh tea, I haven't got to vegetables yet. <laughs> I mean, maybe this is a delicious segue into <laughs> talking about uh, the wonderful... I mean, your album was called Messy. Uh, yes. <laughs> maybe the <laughs> flat is maybe living up a little bit in at least one corner to the album mm-hmm. title. Mm-hmm. Um, is this just a sort of life... Uh, life motto that you've been <laughs> leading? Yes, it's sort of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. I would say. (laughs) Um, I don't know. Yeah, I've always been a bit of a messy person. And I think it was quite funny for me to call the album that because I would, I think a lot of people would perceive me as someone who maybe has their life together. Um, And that is a lie. (laughs) (laughs) That is a lie. I'm one of you. And even just in like a musical sense, like I'm a really like very perfectionist when I make stuff so much mm-hmm. to the point where it's very reductive. Cause it's like, you actually can't get anything done if you're just trying to be excellent all the time. So it was mm-hmm. a reminder to myself to be like, babe, you know what? Just get something out. Something's better than nothing. So I just slapped messy on it and then I put it out. <laughs> That's sort of like a disclaimer for anyone listening. That's yeah. like, I said it in the title. It's so funny because if anyone says they don't like it or that it's a bit all over the place, I'd be like, yeah, I made it that way. (laughs) I told you. Actually, when you first moved into the flat, the first thing that I always think is like a really important decision is like what album you put on first when you Mm. move into place because it feels like it christens like the tone of where you're living. Exactly, that's... Okay, so I've been really living out. So <laughs> all my friends that have been here so far have been giving my my new flat the nickname Auntie's House. Like I'm really trying to cultivate <laughs> an auntie vibe here. <laughs> what is that? An auntie's place? It's like a safe space, isn't it? You can go and ask for advice. Maybe yeah. Maybe you can let your hair down. And like, I've got a big diptyque candle that I'm burning very sparingly, like Auntie Ziptyque. And it's like, the record that I played is like, I've been playing like Erica Badu and like Jill Scott, because I feel like that's what an auntie would play, you know? Like sort of low lighting, like R&B vibe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, okay. maybe, uh, yeah. 
cheeky little vape on a Saturday. You get the vision, uh, exactly. Clothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sort of kimono vibes, yeah. Yeah, love it. Okay, is that the sort of position that you have in your friendship group? Are you the kind of... Uh, auntie. Uh, auntie of the group? <laughs> Um, I think yes and no. I think I'm definitely the good time friend in the group. I'm like, if you text me and say, do you want to go out? I'll probably say, yes, I'm down, even if I probably shouldn't be down. Um, but then I also think, yeah, I offer stability, a, a friendly ear, um, wise advice from where I don't know. Uh, but if you just, if you just <laughs> speak wisely, then it's the truth, isn't it? Um, yeah, if you say anything with enough confidence, then then it it's the right thing to do. Yeah, sage advice. <laughs> yeah, I'm really good sage. at saying like, I hear you, like I understand, like I can, <laughs> I can really understand what you're feeling, you know. And that's all. It, that's all it takes to be auntie. That's all it takes. You got the advice down. I think there's, mm-hmm. uh, I think there's, there's people who are bad at giving advice. Even when it's, you can give good advice in a bad tone. Mm. It, it never sounds good. Everyone needs someone around them that gives good advice. Yeah. That just I says, I, I feel like maybe also Auntie Vibes is like just sloshing a little bit of uh, extra wine in the glass. Like where exactly. someone goes like, oh, oh yeah, we'll have another one. And maybe yeah, that's go on, let's finish it. We like, might as well. Yeah, let's just finish Enjoy the bottle. There's no, yeah, there's no, there's no point leaving that third. It'll just go off. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's my oh. vibes, guys. I feel like you've got a good picture of my life right now. Excellent. This Excellent. is it. We've done it. It's almost, but yeah. In between this, you've been busy living a pop star dream. You were nominated mm. for Mac Award. There's just been a delightful. Giles just sent me before you're recording this your Boy Genius yes live cover which is go- gorgeous. Thank you. Thank you very much. Are they just like big faves of yours? Yeah, I just love that album. I was on a flight somewhere. Can't remember where now really. It's all sort of merging into one, my airport time. Um, <laughs> and I listened to that whole album like five times over and I was like, oh, this is good, isn't it? This is just some really mm. good songwriting. And that song specifically, was I was really drawn to and I love Paul Simon, like separately obsessed with Paul Simon, just like really big yeah. fan. I think he's one of the best songwriters ever, ever. And then I looked on the credits and he's credited as a songwriter on that song because they referenced the boxer. So I was like, that's why I like it. That makes sense. I'd love to do a cover. Nice. Clever. It's amazing when you do a cover and you you did this. The, the I know that song. I know those lyrics. And hearing you and watching you sing it, all of a sudden the lyrics take on a different meaning. I've got a different mm. picture in my mind. Well, that's the beautiful thing about music. Because like when I was singing it, obviously the lyrics actually are very specific. You know, there's a line where she's talking about, you know, once I took your medication to know what it's like and like now mm. I have to act like I can't read your mind. I've never done that, but I was feeling it. Get into someone's story and channel, you know, their intimate emotion and suddenly it's through you and then going to like you and you're hearing it in a different way so i love it i love music for that you enjoy doing covers as a general rule because i think you know obviously when you're a songwriter and you're you know pouring out your own heart and connecting to these things that have come from your brain then that must be a really different exercise kind of trying to tap into that from somebody Um, else's mind I think I started doing covers, as I think maybe perhaps most people do when they're getting into music. Like before I even thought about writing a song, 
I would just do covers for hours and like not film them, but just like sit there and be like, okay, what song do I like? Let me have a play and sing it through once and then move on. And I found it extremely therapeutic. And I started in musical theatre, so I was very used to, yeah, getting into character and singing other people's stories. And so it's, it's real fun for me, actually. I enjoy it. I could, I could have done, you know, functions, wedding stuff in another life, and that would have been perfectly happy, <laughs> you know, for me. I would have loved um, that. Yeah, maybe you could just have like a secret second side hustle where you just turn up at people's weddings and bash out a couple of. Hours. I oh, I love I love a wedding sing. I'm I'm honestly, if people want me to sing at their wedding for a price, obviously, but um, I, I'm I'm proper keen for it. I love love and I love singing. So. The song that you've chosen to. You know, represent your 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 teens. Yeah, is it early teens or late teens that Uptown Top ranking is? I want to just say like all of it. I would say when I got asked to provide something, I did rack my brain. I was like, God, but how can you choose one song? It's so mm. we're making it hard. We're making it tough. <laughs> but you go through such eras of stuff that you like when you're a teenager. But this song, I feel like for me represents like two two things one part is like real connection to like my caribbean heritage and like being at my auntie's house and um being in her kitchen and she's cooking and like all my relatives are there and everyone's just like you know the sun's shining and like that's like every sunday or like every other sunday going around and, and being there felt like a big part of growing up for me and like a real grounding thing to do but then also my dad, who is not Caribbean, but like a really big lover of reggae, like he would listen to a lot of that kind of music and introduce me to loads of obscure reggae stuff in our kitchen and we would dance around. And it's very tied to cooking and family, that, that song for me. What's on the menu when you're uh, going round to auntie's house? This, this episode is going to be called Auntie's House, I feel, is the theme. What's on the menu? So my auntie is the best cook in the world, like hands down i've been telling her you need to get a master chef or bake off or something she can do it all but we would have just typical sunday roast but caribbean influence so we have like a big lamb shank roast potato Mm. with rosemary Mm. really crispy but then mac and cheese you know maybe rice and peas as well sometimes you do a little bit of pork or something and then an amazing dessert and you know and a bit of wine and it always ends up with dancing around the island and then the same songs get played every time, but you've never heard them before. When they come on, you're like, ooh! <laughs> yeah. An Uptown Top Ranking is one of those tunes, isn't it? That is the song, if there's a sound system or, or, or a barbecue, that is the kind of, that's it. That's, that's what I think of in those walking into that. It's the one you can't go wrong. I don't think there's anybody that when that song comes on goes, I don't like this, turn it off. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Pure joyful. Like, yeah. and also I feel like there's a sort of like sass to it where mm-hmm. like you could definitely say if you have been like a sort of getting ready with the gals, 
vibe as well (laughs) i love the lyrics i mean some of them i can't make out sometimes they've got quite a thick jamaican accent going on but just how it's you know these two girls and i imagine them just being in their car and they're just like we're coming we're coming to the party babe you're right it's a really good (laughs) getting ready song I've been in Southeast London for probably like six, seven years now. So I guess, yeah, that would be all my teenage years. And I've sort of dotted around places. Um, there was a pool bar on Rye Lane that is now closed called Canavan. Yes. I know Canavan's yes. very well. Yeah. Are, you, are you guys Southeast London locals? Yeah, now I am, yeah. I am, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right, here we go. Yeah, so Canavan's was a good one. How would you uh, describe the vibe of Canavan's R.I.P.? Oh Lord. Um, pool bar. You wouldn't only know if it's you would only know it if you know it's there. Um, open till three AM every night, very cheap red stripes, um, mm. terrible toilets, karaoke, <laughs> but yeah. like mm. just the 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 weirdest karaoke vibe, like regulars <laughs> doing the same song, unhinged karaoke, yeah. Um <laughs> and then pool tables at the back with a guy running them who is really into running the pool tables um <laughs> great date spot but also great we got nothing else to do tonight canavans mm-hmm. yeah everyone who and works I- behind the bar has canavan as a surname yeah <laughs> so yeah i'm sad that's closed down i don't think there's really a spot that's taken its place right now i'm so glad we've talked about canavans <laughs> yeah that, that's my vibe really I, i've never been like big club night out girly like now and again but mostly it's pub i would i love talking to strangers like random strangers in the smoking area god it's so fun isn't it and just mm-hmm. making some random friends and then ending up playing pool. That's that's perfect night out for me. Did you learn Uptown Top when you were younger? Did you ever did you ever learn how to play it or were you singing along to it? Um, I think definitely singing along. I don't know what a piano version of that, if anyone needs that in their life. <laughs> um, but I definitely I've, I've done my best to sing along to it and walk continue to do so every time it comes on but yeah i don't know if it covers on the cards for me that one <laughs> maybe you could do uh yeah update it into a whole new generation get who would be the althea to your donna or the donna to your althea if you good had what you a good question oh my god can i just say anybody in the world i doesn't have to be realistic no no anyone what came to my mind was solange I just yes. like that yes. could be quite iconic. Um, yes. But you know what? I actually think I could do a great cover of that song now that we're talking about it. Here we go. With the horn section. Yeah, listen. Watch this space. Yeah. <laughs> Salon's babes, if you're listening. Yeah. All I've got to do, whiz her an email. Hey, babe. Yeah, I was thinking. <laughs> I've got this idea. Um, yeah. You know what, though? I am glad that you went for, obviously, you know, Beyonce, the obvious choice, Solange, the people's princess, I think. Uh, I thought it was a bit more realistic. And I just don't <laughs> think that I would be able to say anything or perform or sing if I was with Beyonce. Like, I just think that she's like on a godlike level that is just, I don't need to work with her. I just need to be in awe of her, you know? 
just be in her <laughs> same breathing space. Exactly. Live in the world. Mm-hmm. She'll breathe the same global air. Yes. We're all breathing Beyonce's air, technically. We're all breathing. Yeah. It's that meme of like, we've all got 24 hours of the day, but I feel like we're all breathing Beyonce's air is the slightly more manageable version of it. Where it's I like, actually love that as a saying. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I love we're all breathing Beyonce's air. I'm going to take that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can keep that. If you put that in a new song, though, just be sure to put a little link to the podcast in the caption. It will be the Paul Simon to the Boy Genius record. Uh, Understood. In the credits. Yeah, yeah. You get your percentage, guys. We've got a great photo of you taken by your granny in Peckham boots and it just looks like you've you've shoved a couple of chapsticks in your pockets and you've got a face <laughs> to say, don't make me show you my pockets. Yes, yes. Um, this picture is something that I only recently rediscovered last weekend because I went to visit my granny. And I could see she had this picture I didn't recognise on her bedside table. And I sort of looked a bit closer. I said, this is a very weird picture for you to have on your bedside table. And it's me sort of in this very big coat in Peckham boots taken by her. And it really just took me back. Like she lived here for a long time and I would spend like Easter's with her. And like she, you know, we used to share a room together when I lived in Walthamstow and we're very close. And she would just sort of take me around on her errands. You know, I was just sort of her, like I was the Robin to her Batman. And we would just, um, just sort of cruise around Peckham with her little wheelie trolley, just getting, getting stuff done. And, and I loved that picture. I hadn't seen it in a long time. Did you watch the film, Rylane? I did, yes, I did. It was quite bizarre, like surreal to see it being on Rylane, but I loved it. I loved the colours. It was a very sweet film. Yeah, they captured it well. Although I know that there's a restaurant that they were having like sort of barbecue food and I was like, but that's an Italian. I've eaten there. So I, I couldn't I couldn't suspend disbelief. Yeah. That, that photo takes me back to that kind of smell I, remember, I was my mum's wingman as well. I used to go bowling with her on school holidays and, you know, also get in the car and go around with her. I remember one time we were in a pharmacy and I was a bit of a naughty kid. I was always running around and running off. And she was like, obviously I didn't see this. She told me afterwards, she was like, Giles, will you please give me your hand and reach back, got a hand. And it was this old bloke who was like, all right, love, yeah. <laughs> And they've been married yeah. ever since. Yeah, since, yeah. yeah. Yeah, how I met your mother, exactly. <laughs> what do you remember about being that sort of age? Like, can you remember, like, do you have fond school memories of that time? Were you, uh, were you uh, a popular schoolgirl? I was not. I was bullied at school. Can you believe it, guys? No. Yeah, no. why would they? Kids are so mean, aren't they? Yeah, no, I wasn't the most popular kid at school because I was just that annoying person that wanted to sing in assembly all the time. And (laughs) I grew up in, like, kind of Walthamstow, but a little bit further, so it was, like, more on the Essex side. So there wasn't a lot of black girls in the school, just sort of any black people, and they really really bullied me. But look at me now, so... How did you get through it? Did you you keep your head down and just try, you know, keep your... have friends in your family and outside of school? Yeah, I just kept, I just kept my head down, and no, I, I definitely had friends, but it was very, it wasn't, an, it wasn't a smooth school experience. Um, 
but then I always knew that I wanted to do music so I always knew I was like let me just get through this bit do up being the school shows and then I want to go to the Brit school like I'd known not from around seven but like from when I was leaving primary school or no like going into secondary school I was like yeah I want to go to the Brit school and then I upped and left I said bye guys and was that smooth do you remember your I mean do you have auditions to get into the Brit school yeah, so it's like an application process and then you go in and do an audition and I was very nervous because there was a lot of riding on it and I was like, I know that this is the path that I want to go down and I hope that, that I'm good enough, you know? Mm. Um, and it was, a, it was a long way away. I would travel an hour and 45 minutes every morning and every evening coming to and from. Um, and I started in year 10, I think, and I was there for four years. And I loved it because suddenly you're not the one weird person that wants to sing in assembly. Everybody wants to sing in assembly. Everybody's that annoying person in school. So you're suddenly (laughs) like, all right, I'm not weird. Yay. (laughs) Kind of from the first day, I was in musical theater uh, for two years because I knew I wanted to do music, but only sort of I was only at home just sort of writing songs I didn't have anything to sort of show for it so I knew I wouldn't get in to the course but I was like I know I could get into musical theatre because I've got got the CV for that one um Mm -hmm. and so I've made musical theatre friends quite quickly I'm still friends with them now like just the most fabulous people you ever meet in your life just so full of life and confidence but then I also you know clever me was making friends with the music people too and I met my my two best friends Rosie and Eleanor on the first day and we sat down with each other at lunch sort of very nervously and I was like I really like you guys and they're like yeah we like you too and I was like should we just be friends forever and we were like okay and now we've been <laughs> friends for like almost seven or ten years or something it's crazy that is sweet very adorable um yeah I always imagine Brit school as being like actual fame like the musical fame how mm-hmm. is it like like you know sort of kids pirouetting down the corridors leg warmers <laughs> everyone sort of breaking into spontaneous song in the cafeteria you know what kind like kind of yes at the beginning because I think everybody <laughs> goes into it thinking that it's fame and so they sort of act that out like I remember in the first week, like there was a dance battle in the in the playground, and like you know, people did want to let you know that they had a really good voice. Uh, that was not my vibe at all. I was more of sort of like just observer. But then I think everyone settles down and realizes that we don't need to do that all the time, and then it <laughs> becomes a bit more normal. But I would say, yeah, yeah, the first week you're like, oh my god, I'm in fame, and then you're like, oh no, I'm not. I'm in Croydon. <laughs> That's a lot of pressure as like, it's a year 10. So what are you, 16, 15, 16, 17? Yeah. That's like, I mean, you say be from like, from a younger age, you're like, I want to go to the Brit school. I want to presume like be a performer, presumably. Mm-hmm. And to get there and think, okay, this is my time. This is my chance. You know, everyone I'm going to meet, maybe an audition's going to come up. That's a lot of pressure for a kid, isn't it? It is. I... I think my outlook on it was just like, I just want to learn as much as I can right now. Like I just want to like work with as many people as I can and just sort of just get stuck into it. Um, And I didn't really know what I was going to do afterwards or like, I didn't know what the next bit was. I just knew that I wanted Mm. to be there. Um, And I was very, very lucky that 
I met my manager after my sort of final show at, at the Brit School, and then I was able to sort nice. of just get straight into stuff from there. And I'm very lucky, I think, because um, I don't know what I would have done after Brit. Just sung in some no more assemblies to sing in. So, so before you became a proper songwriter, it's all musical theatre. Is that still a sort of latent ambition to one day kick that back into gear? I. Okay, I'm going to tell you guys my musical okay. theatre full circle moment that I want for myself that I'm trying to manifest. So when I was probably around the time of that picture being taken, big musical theatre girly, and I was auditioning for lots of West End musicals to be sort of in the ensemble, sort of like a, a young you know, member of the cast. But at yeah. that time, the only musical that had black people in it was The Lion King. <laughs> like... That was it on the West End. Like, I remember I went for an audition for The Sound of Music and my mum really had to give me a talk and was like, you're not going to get it. Like, and it was really, you know, and I had to have faced that harsh reality. And then the Lion King audition came around and I got down to the final three. And I was in like cub school where they like train you and you get your costume fitted and like everything was going so fab. But by the end of the training, I was too tall. And like I was no. taller than the Simba, and obviously that's like the bigger part, and so they had to let me go. And I oh. cried for weeks, weeks, oh. like, just pure like. But that was my big break. Like, what else am I going to do? Like, that's it. Oh. So in my dreams, right, when I get a bit older, I'll play the older Nala in the West End on The Lion yes. King. Like, I'll come back. Right? And yeah. I'll be like, you didn't want me, but look at me now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then you can so, hold, oh no, she doesn't hold up Simba on the rock, does she? Because that's like, no, the no, ultimate. no, no. <laughs> no, she's like, you know, she sort of goes to try and find Simba, like when he sort of runs away from the tribe. And like, she sort of, you know, yeah. it's a great, and there's a great, beautiful song called Shadowland that she sings that I still listen to. And yeah, that's, that's, that's what I want, guys. Hey, yeah, I'd it's love gonna that. happen. And also, I feel very, very sad for Minnie Olivia, who yeah. was, you know, just had a growth spurt. It happens. <laughs> <to all of us. laughs> but what she did, what she didn't know, was going to come next a few years down the line. Right? That's the way it exactly. works. Exactly. That's the way it works. Everything happened for a reason. So it wasn't meant to be, <laughs> but I was snubbed. Snubbed. Yeah. Robbed. I'm kind of obsessed with cub school, though. Like they yes. actually call it. That. And like it's yeah, yeah. Weird, little like theatre kids just running around in tiny like lion outfits. Yeah, I know. I'd be in year five or year six or whatever, and then my mum would come pick me up, and then she's like, "We're going to cub school." Yeah, it's cute. It's funny reflecting back on those years because I mean, I don't, I don't know about you guys. I, I haven't done much reflecting on being a teenager. Mm. I still feel like I a teenager. Have. In, in truth, I have done a lot of reflecting. I've done therapy. I've really got into it. I know myself. Back in my hand, guys. You find also when you're writing that like a lot of a lot of it tends to kind of come from a slightly nostalgic place. It's interesting. I was talking to a songwriter I work with about this and like where different people write from. And he was saying, I always write from the past. Like I always go back to something that I haven't perhaps dealt with or, and, and draw from that, but I'm very present. Like, mm. I think for me, songwriting serves the purpose of like, I'm dealing with something now that I can't 
process and I need to write a song about it so that I can get it out and then sing and then like sing it forward rather than like looking back if that makes sense so no not really I don't I don't know if but maybe album two is about cup school you know (laughs) (laughs) album two is just you singing the entire Lion King soundtrack is like a massive listen I think people would I think it would sell I'm not gonna lie (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were about to say I think it would slap I'm like yeah Yeah. yeah I think it would slap Even though you do not write from a nostalgic place, the object that you chose is so your first piano, yes. um, which, like, what age are we talking here that you started on the on the keys? We're talking, for like, 14, 15, I want to okay. say. Okay. I had played a bit of the guitar before and, like, enjoyed it, but I it, what didn't make my heart sing like the piano was – and I remember I was walking with my mum just around Walthamstow Way, I guess, I don't know. And there was a used piano shop. And I said, please, can we go in? Please, 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 please. And we went in and I played this piano and we asked how much it was. And I think it was like 200 quid or something, which I was like, it's a lot. But I thought pianos were about like 10,000 pounds. So maybe this is a steal. <laughs> <laughs> and I just said to I just begged my mum I was like please please can we buy it and she was like no where's it gonna go in the house I was like please please, please. and she said it'll be your birthday and your Christmas combined so if you want it this is it now it's birthday and Christmas combined big but and we got it and I don't think that I would be where I am now if that if that piano hadn't have come into my life because I was obsessed, obsessed with playing it. Like, and I actually haven't had a piano since then. And it's still at my mum's house. And I, I need to get, sort of get it here, but it's such a faff. It's an upright piano, just sort of old German piano, very sort of rusty. I don't know who had it before me, but they really, they played it because it is, um, yeah, it's just got a lot of character. Pre-loved. It's pre-loved, yeah. And, and it came with a stool that like opened and you could sort of put all your sheet music in there. So I would yeah. go into my mum's office and like use all her documents that she didn't want anymore. And then print, like find like, um, just like, what's the word? Like pirated sheet music websites. Cause I didn't want to pay <laughs> for it. And then print it on the back of her like legal documents. So I've got like, <laughs> I went home the other day and like opened the stool up. And I was like, this is hilarious. Like I've got, Frank Sinatra, you make me feel so young, sheet music on the back of like a court case. (laughs) (laughs) Also very ironic that you're nicking all of these things and putting them on the back of legal documents, just as if to hammer home the fact that you, you don't care about the law. Fuck the law. Exactly. <laughs> I don't care. Brilliant. I mean, 14, 15 is quite a good age to learn piano or rather sort of almost more of a strange age, right? I think you get a lot of people who who get forced maybe by their parents yeah. or maybe at school at like 10 mm. or, you know, you get the older crowd being like, oh, I wish I always learn. And then exactly. learn. 14, 15, yeah. you've got a bit of agency there, don't you? You're, you're learning to do what you want, really. Yeah, I think it was kind of a sweet spot. And as I said earlier, just a real therapeutic thing for me to do, just sit there for hours and sort of cover things. And then only sort of 
through that I would be like, oh, I like that, how that chord, how Frank Sinatra's used that chord with that chord. And then so I'd steal a bit of that. And then I'd be like, oh, okay, Ed Sheeran, yeah, you've done that. I'd steal a bit of that. And then I sort of write my own things um, and then never really stopped after that. So was it like a patchwork of, like, I mean, Frank Sinatra, Ed Sheeran, pretty different <laughs> artists there. Uh, was it like a real sort of mishmash of like eras and genres and things that you were heading to? Just honestly, anything and everything. Like I think Motown, I loved learning those songs like the chords that carol king would use i'd like they would like yeah. make something in my brain go oh yeah that's that's really good and like bill yeah. withers and i think just just not soul music in the sense of like the actual definition of the genre but just like music that just is really good for your heart like fills you mm -hmm. up like warm soup you know and so yeah i, I love that piano my mum desperately trying to get rid of it now like every time i go home she's like olivia please can we get rid of this and i was like you can't like that is mine you know <laughs> are you self-taught then i want to say no the answer is no i did <laughs> i did do some piano lessons i also did saxophone lessons for a while Ooh. and singing and guitar and i gave them all up because a, I don't really like being told what to do, so I don't wasn't a very yeah. good student. And B, I think I recognised from quite a young age, actually not knowing, like having the basics is good, but not knowing too much about something actually works in your mm -hmm. favour because you approach it with a real sort of childlike naivety and you go just on instinct when you're creating and so i quite enjoy that i don't know all the names of the chords i have a loose understanding but i really just enjoy just feeling for what sounds good rather than what is the right chord sequence you know the blue the 12 bar blues or whatever on paper um so i would say i'm half taught yeah I was reading um, Rick Rubin's book the other day and there's a bit where he's talking about as a songwriter, like, so the world is like the radio and like, there's always signals going around and like, you have just have to have your antennas tuned to just try and hear one and then write it. But if you hear it and you don't write it, don't be surprised if somebody else writes it because they're just out there and it's your job to just catch them and, and put them back out. I thought that was really interesting. Has your uh, bat signal for songs been bringing anything exciting into your life that is coming out soon? Perhaps have you been? Perhaps I can't. I can't, I can't say too much. <laughs> and 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 in honest truth, I'm I am in part trying to practice not you know listening to the bat signal because. I'm trying to, you know, carve out who I am outside of music because otherwise I'm just music. I'm just made of music all the time. And it's, I think it's important to, you know, do other things. So I'm taking a wee break, but naturally I can't get enough. So I am working on something, but yeah. not lots of things, just something. Getting some new hobbies. Getting some new hobbies. I'm loving cycling at the moment. Love cycling nice. so much. Um, I'm knitting a blanket. I'm okay. just, yeah, sort of cooking, just doing sort of, you know, 
just classic auntie things that's my vibe right now and that was Olivia De- Auntie Olivia Dean, the nation's <laughs> newest favourite, very young auntie. We hope you enjoyed that episode of Before They Knew Better with DIY Magazine. There's going to be loads more, um, so keep an eye out next week. There will be episode number three. Um, remember to like and subscribe on all of the podcast platforms if you'd be so kind. Uh, and maybe even leave a review. That'd be nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And make sure you subscribe because then you get it delivered directly to your apples, to your Spotify's. Yeah. It's good good fun waking up. I mean, because you wake up, you check your phone. It's the same old shite. Exactly. But then when you get delivered something good. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? It's better than when um, your phone shames you into saying how many hours you've been on it. My phone's gone (laughs) mad recently. The other day, it told me that I was on my phone for an average of 11 hours a day. And I just thought, that's all my waking hours. Like, it's gone rogue. It's gone rogue. I've started to do that bedtime mode where it goes black and white at midnight. Yeah, that's the thing. And then it goes back to colour at 9am, which is good because then I wake up maybe before 9am, which I I never want to. Yeah, no. 8.30 is my time. 8.30 is respectable, I think. I just don't think anything good happens before that hour. It doesn't. I'll tell you what I've been doing is drinking fresh lemon with warm water. Flushes you out, I overheard someone saying on the high street. <laughs> nice. <laughs> on my way to Zumba class. <laughs> I overheard. Overheard. Hashtag overheard on the high street. Mm, um, <laughs> so yeah, thank you so much for listening. This is fun. Yes, this is fun. I hope that you had fun. Sound, I sounds so surprised. <laughs> this is fun. Oh, yeah. I want to met you. I wasn't sure, but I think we're doing well, this okay. Is, this is funny because we're getting to, we didn't know each other yeah. before we had the idea for yeah. this podcast. Yeah, and it brings people together, does the DIY magazine podcast bringing us together bringing folks together bringing bringing Olivia Dean and to everyone yeah (laughs) bringing you together Um, tune in next week there'll be more from us more from another wonderful guest who will be revealing very soon like and subscribe leave a comment and we'll see you next week don't forget to pick up this month's issue of DIY with cover star Lauren Mayberry of Churches Get it from the online shop at DIYMag.com. See you next week. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Rock in Rio Lisboa, the sister event to Brazil's iconic music festival Rock in Rio. The Portuguese leg of the event is set to celebrate its 20th anniversary with one of its biggest editions yet and over 80,000 attendees across its four days, of which some of them could be you. Taking place over two weekends this June, some of music's biggest names will be taking to the stage in Lisbon. We're talking Ed Sheeran, we're talking Doja Cat, even the Jonas Brothers are getting in on the action. And with each day specially curated by genre, there's literally something for everyone. I went to the town in Rio last year, which is curated by the same people as Rock in Rio. And it was, I'm going to say, one of the wildest festivals I've ever been to. This year's Rock in Rio Lisboa takes place on the 15th, 16th, 21st and 22nd of June. And tickets can be purchased now via their website, rockinriolisboa.pt.